So how was your holiday? It was really good. Got a bit of a holiday confession to make, but um, overall, yeah, fantastic holiday. I didn't really have a holiday, um, but I was working and work is my favourite thing, so I had a great time. She got married too. You're so weird that work's your favourite thing. (laughs) All right, let's start the show. Hello, it's Mamma Mia Out Loud. I'm Monique Bowley and with me is Jamila Risby. She's the boss lady of Mamma Mia and Mia Friedman, ultra boss lady. Hello. Hi. One upped me. Big cheese and Mm. bigger cheese. Yeah. You know, Mamma Mia Out Loud is M-O-L, which makes it mole. Game on, mole. Welcome, moles. Thanks. I love that. Mm. There is so much to talk about. It's a fresh new year. We're all freshened up and we'll get to the guts of it shortly, including the terrible truth about the Barley Nine. And also today, with all the hard news going around, we're going to dive into the topic that divided our office. Mm. Can you wee in front of your friends? And what are the rules? We've also got a woman who had some pretty drastic measures when it came to getting out of a date. Jennifer Aniston gives the world a masterclass on how to be classy when dealing with your ex. And we ask, has anyone found Julie Bishop's earring? But first, the Martin Place siege was a pretty harrowing moment, not just for the victims, but the entire nation as we watched. And now in the aftermath, TV networks are sort of jostling for position to start their broadcast year with one of the biggest interviews the hostages. And some commentators have labelled it a greedy move. Mia, what do you think? I um, feel, well, I did feel conflicted about this until I read um, Rebecca Sparrow's post on Mamma Mia. I sometimes go to Rebecca um, when I want, when I've got swirling thoughts about something and I want her to articulate them because she's very good at that. So my first thought was, oh, that's interesting. That's a lot of money. And my second thought was, and I always believe this, if you go through something awful or amazing, it's your intellectual property. And if the media is interested enough to throw dollars, hundreds of dollars, millions of dollars your way, why shouldn't you take it? How much money are we talking for the, for the siege victims? It hasn't been confirmed yet, but um, they're saying that the, one, the, the woman that got shot in the leg and who was there till the mm-hmm. end, uh, it got up to, I think, $400,000. Wow. And the others got anywhere from $100,000 to, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. The, the awful thing is that there's a bit of a sliding scale. So... From what I can understand, the longer you were there, the closer you were there to the end, the more your story is worth. Now, that's market forces and our interest determining that pay scale. Does this seem lower than in past figures? It's 400 grand. That's interesting. Um, I think when you look back, I think that the most paid was ever to the Baconfield miners. Um, I think that they got $2 million to tell their story, and I don't think that that was ever entirely profitable. I mean, it was a, a big... Um, I was at Channel 9 at that time and I remember it was a big um, branding thing and Channel 9 at that time was really trying to get the best stories and it, it was the story everybody wanted. But um, it's it's sort of getting harder and harder, especially around online, um, where information gets disseminated very, very quickly to get that money back mm-hmm. because networks aren't doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They take that punt and base that figure on the assumption that they'll make a shed load back in advertising and, and in viewers. Mm. Jamila, Jeff Kennett has said that these people are greedy. This from a man who presumably makes quite a lot of money out of his public speaking and profile. 
What do you make of his comments? Look, I thought they were pretty, they were in pretty bad taste. I don't think any of us can put ourselves in the position of what these people went through. Like when you try and project, when you try and think about it, even from an empathetic perspective, you honestly have no idea. Unless you've gone through a situation like that, you don't know how that will affect you for the rest of your life. Mm. And for him to call them greedy, I think it's, to be honest, it's pretty outrageous. These people have been through a horrific time. I don't like the way we seem to go and sort of pit one person's grief against another. It's kind of like, well, someone died and you you got out alive. You should just be happy with that. That's not fair. You know what you should be happy with? I should be happy because I wasn't in that room and I didn't have to go through that horrific experience and nor did Jeff Kennett. <coughs> I think we're the ones that should be counting our, the, ourselves lucky and the hostages who were lucky enough to escape with their lives, what they do with that story I think is up to them. Uh, Mia, will you be watching? Oh, I will so be watching. I can't. It sounds awful to say I can't get enough of this story. Um, I can't, though. Like, I'm absolutely transfixed by this story in, in all its tragedy. And I, I don't know anyone who hasn't been. But I have to say I felt um, when I heard they were getting so much money and particularly um, the woman who was shot in the leg and, mm. and her lawyer was shopping her story around and, he, you know, one of the media organisations, he said, you've got to make a bid for at least four figures. Um, and they said, well, what does that get us? Um, where does that money go? And he said, well, she's going to make a foundation. And they said, oh, what's the foundation going to do? And he's like, oh, it's not clear yet. What the fan-. And I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit yucky. And I felt, oh, shouldn't they donate some of their money to Katrina's foundation? What? And then, yeah, I, I read what Beck said and Beck said, well, did you donate? And yes, I did. But she's right. Like, why should I say that someone else should donate? It's none of my bloody business what they do with their money. Mm. Part of me is really interested in the process of the agents and the managers that shop out these kind of stories like seems a bit of ambulance chasing or a bit of that's kind of a bit gritty and a bit ugly. I think that we can lose our sympathy for um, victims very quickly. I think we like our victims to be very humble. And as soon as there's a sense that they're grasping or profiting from their story, the public sentiment can turn. And even just the way they behave, like Peter Falconio's partner, Joanne Lee's, she didn't behave in the way that we sure, we thought the victim of a crime should behave. Mm. Lindy Chamberlain didn't behave in that same way. And there's still a lot of sneering and a lot of mistrust for people who somehow profit from tragedy, even if it was their own tragedy that has probably ruined or affected the rest of their lives. Mm. Now, the big question that was going around the water cooler in the office this week was, I don't even know how it started. Did you start it, Jamila, about weighing in front of people? Look, I don't think I would have brought the topic up. I feel, I, would like, say I feel like it would have been face. Friedman. You I feel disgusted. like it would have been Mia. Like yeah. I, I will point, I will point finger. It's definitely yeah. a Mia I'd, topic. I'd say it probably was me. Mm. So I, I can't remember how it came up either. But it, it transpired that Jamila has never doesn't ha, it wasn't familiar with the concept of weighing in front of your girlfriends. No, not familiar and not okay. Uh, I am. I'm a big weir in front of girlfriends, but I thought it was a sporting thing because I've grown up playing sport. You all go to the shower together. You, you know, you. Does everyone wee in the shower? Well, after yeah, there's weeing in showers, and there's a real closeness that you get that's very sisterly when you play in a close sporting team. So yeah, was it that, that that's part? true. I grew up playing a lot of sport as well, not at like the levels you were. I was pretty bad, but I played a lot of it. And yeah, we showered together, but we didn't wee in front of one of another because <laughs> that's not okay. But I take it back to, okay, so when you're a parent, you just wee in front of your kids. That's just a given half the time. Like you wee with your kids on your lap half the time. But 
um, when I was younger and I used to go to nightclubs and bars or be at parties when there was only one bathroom and there was a long queue mm. oh. or you're involved in a really interesting conversation, you go in together, totally. share a cubicle and you wee in front of each other. You wouldn't do it, Jamila. No, I wouldn't. Uh, there are no circumstances under which I would wee in front of one of my friends. Would you wee in front of your boyfriend? Yes. Would you, have you always weed in front of boyfriends? Everyone's leading me here. No. So I had to be trained. (laughs) So your husband. Yes. Husband now. That's right. So um, when I, when we first got together, I I think it comes from the fact that I have a very private, grew up in a very private household. We weren't a naked house. We didn't get naked in front of each other. My sister and I wouldn't have seen each other naked since we were five or six years old kind of thing. So we just didn't, we just didn't do that because I would say, because we are nice people. Did you bath with your sister? When I was really little. Did but, you yeah, see your mum naked? You never did? N- not that I remember. Mm. It certainly wasn't something that was paraded around. And dad had a separate bathroom and we, yeah, it was all very separate and very clean and nice. And um, there was none of this business of going to the toilet in front of people. Um, and it never occurred to me that that was something that I should be doing. So then when I uh, moved in with my boyfriend, now husband, we only had one bathroom. And mm. suddenly that starts to become an issue when you're really busy in the mornings mm. and you, someone's got to get out the door. And he had to teach me to kind of be okay with it because I used to get, you know, sort of like number one anxiety about the fact that he might like be in the shower or shaving or something like that. And I, I had to I had to be taught that like to do it, but I wouldn't do it in front of anyone else. Like he's my husband. And I would not ever do it in front of my husband, but I would do it in front of anyone else. I'm with you, Mia. I think sitting on the toilet is the most unattractive thing you can ever see someone do. Correct. It's- okay, okay, sorry. Hold on. When, when you obviously there's a level of attraction involved in sex or involved in relationships. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you'd do this in front of someone you were first dating. Mm. But when it is the person you have married, me, the person you have had three children with. He's seen babies come out of my vagina. And I imagine seen other things come out of that enduring childbirth. It's not classy. In close proximity. Don't pretend that it is. So what what in the world is wrong with him walking past you on the toilet? Because wees and poos are just different. They like are. they're just different. And you're hunched over and you you know, you, it's, it's waste. It's, it's like it's, I, I, and, and yet it's you're funny. perfectly capable with this passage of waste in front of me. Totally. So then we decided <laughs> that we would condition jam via exposure therapy. So we yes. decided that every time she had to go to the bathroom, she had to pick a friend in the office to come with her, but she wasn't into that, mums. Can you believe it? Uh, did you? Would you do number two in front of a girlfriend? Never. That is okay. not. Okay. Never. Okay, at least we can agree on that. I can't even do that in front of my children. Yeah, that is a private can't. activity. Yeah, I need the door closed. We don't even do them as. No, no ice cream comes out. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting. I can. Yeah, number ones. I mean, that's just a given. Doors always open, but even if my husband walks past the door when it's open and I'm doing away, I don't like that, and I don't ever want to see him. Like I've, I know that it happens and that he does weave and I've seen it a couple of times accidentally and I'm not like, it's over, <laughs> but I actively avoid it. We actively avoid showing each other that. I just find it so odd that people you're not that physically close to, it's perfectly okay. And then the person that you live with and spend your whole life with who sees and knows everything about you. Because I'm not having sex with you. That's why I wee in front of you. Interesting. Mm. You've given me a lot to think about, ladies. Mm. From excrement to awards season, it's... The start of the year, it's Golden Globes. The Oscars are coming up. It's the red Baftas carpet. are coming up. It's the re- SAGs are coming up. <laughs> the, the the lots of acronyms are coming up. <laughs> There's red carpets and blue. There's a blue carpet now. Um, what do we think about red carpets? Are we still into them? Do I, we care? I am. I care very little about the awards, personally. I am 100% focused on the frocks. Um, and I absolutely care. 
I, I, I don't even really have to know the person to want to look at the dresses. That's my guilty pleasure is sitting on Mamma Mia and clicking through every single gown. And then you get to the, st- the end of the gallery of dresses and it starts again. And I'm like, oh, maybe I wasn't paying attention. Better go again. How judgy do you get? Extremely, extremely. So do you do it to hate look? Like, do you do it hoping that there are some badly dressed people that you can go, oh, that's awful? Yeah, like, I, it- I, I do, honestly. I, I, I will say that, though do I do I? enjoy a good frock as well. But importantly, what's important to me is that you've got to play the dress and not the woman. Yes. Um, so mm. sort of to use the football analogy, you play the ball, not the man. Um, I don't like people who have a go and go, oh, she looks fat or she looks ugly or look at old. her, she's gross. She looks old, whatever it is. I prefer having a go at the stylists because then I'm having a professional... Dig. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It's interesting when when I I first started Mamma Mia all those years ago, I was really like some people said it was hypocritical that we would do red Mm. that I would show red carpet photos and celebrity and but I was always very clear about the fact that I can be interested in what's going on in politics and I can be interested in what Gwyneth's wearing on a red carpet and the two don't contradict each other. No, of course not. But I, I've, I'm a big fan of Fashion Police. Sorry, I've got a tortured relationship with Fashion Police, the show, <laughs> right? Joan Rivers. I, I couldn't stand Joan Rivers. Like, I loathed her. I know I, I, probably she's been dead long enough for me to be able to say that. And it's sad that she died, et cetera, et cetera. But I found her style of meanness to be awful. But I really liked that idea of fashion commentary and, and having people like stylists and people who knew discussing and analysing what they – what people wearing on the red carpet because it's interesting and it's like it's a, it's a different type of show. For me, it's just it's my choice of art. You know, there are some people yeah, true. who, it's like who really music. like, yeah, who are going to go to lots of concerts and think about the music. There are people who like to go to art galleries. There are people like me who go to art galleries and pretend they're cultured and pretend they like the art and don't really. Um, and then there's fashion, which I can actually get into. That's my kind of thing. I <laughs> also feel conflicted for objectifying them. Yes. But it's so fun. It is it is so fun, and I feel terrible admitting that, but my biggest confession, I'm just going to come out and say it, I don't get celebrities, I don't buy women's magazines, I don't get it. I know we should have had this conversation in the job interview, guys, but no, you've hired me all. now, it's too late. There's lots of people who don't, I think it's really important. But over summer, because I knew I was coming to work here, I, was, I bought up some women's magazines and I read up. Because like, I wanted to know like who was Like paper who. ones. On paper what, ones. What are magazines? We don't know what they are. <laughs> and <Fired. laughs> I enjoyed it so much. Did you? I what really part of it did you it. Did you buy you really trashy stuff? I go, yeah, and I go straight to the back uh, yeah. through the dresses and through the people. I don't know who any of these people are. It doesn't really matter. But yeah. I really got into it in a big way. Do you think it's a bit like kind of Barbie dolls? Like that, yes. that you know, like it's like... It's shiny and it's yeah. you don't have to think too much and there's yeah. no in-depth it's like a guilty analysis. pleasure. It is. Yeah. Here's it's a question. It's like junk food for the mind. Yeah. It's great. Is the, mind, are you okay with the ratings? Like the, you know how on the red carpet and on the shows like Fashion Police they'll come through and go, ooh, two out of ten and totally. she's a nine out of yeah. ten. You're really? all good with that? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not okay with that because I think it's completely subjective. And you know what? I really hate those magazines at the back that go who wore it better and it's always the skinniest one. They always mm, get that skinniest, wrong youngest as well. One. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, one thing that really impressed me though in Celebrity Land in the last week was this Jennifer Aniston versus Angelina Jolie situation. So what's happened is... You know, it's still going on. How many years is this whole thing going to bang on about Jen versus Ange? 
I think it's been 10 years. And I was I'm about to say coming. Mia will know to the, to the month <laughs> yeah. how long it's been going. Okay, so Jennifer Aniston has come out and said, you know what, I reckon the feud is not, just, just doesn't exist and it's over, actually. It was a whole media construct. And actually, I've seen Angelina's film and I really love it and it's gorgeous and she's done a great job. Oh, classy Boom. Jennifer Aniston. Isn't that so a, classy? Yeah. She yeah, that thought. was cool, wasn't it? Yeah. She never really puts a foot wrong, I've got to say. I do feel sorry. Listen to me, I'm feeling sorry for her, but but you will always, I always think, oh, Jen, oh, Jen. I mean, it must be awful having everyone think that about you. Oh, Jen. Because she's killing it. Like career-wise, you know, she was the chick from Friends with the Hair. And now, you know, she's, well, she's not getting nominated for Oscars, but she's, she's almost getting nominated for them. Almost. Killing could be. We don't think she's, she's killing always it. on the cover. That's killing it. Oh, that's just, if you agree to be on the cover, like, I don't think that's, that's not killing it anymore. I don't think there's any great, um, what freaks me out as a, as a magazine editor is that the same people are on the cover in 2015 as when I started in magazines in 1993. Mm. And I'm not even kidding. Cameron Diaz, Gwyneth Paltrow, Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie, month after month. It's a bit of a month. metaphor for magazines. And I, I used think. to be really interested in these women. It's funny that you've just Stick discovered celebrities. I'm the opposite. I'm, I, I'm just, I, I'm much more interested in people on Instagram and real women with interesting stories to tell. I'm not interested in celebrities anymore. Mm. Well, in the words of Jen Aniston, she says, I think that it's slowly coming to an end, this feud. She says, I really do. It's tiresome and old. It's like an old leather shoe. Let's buy a pair of shiny shoes, shiny new shoes. Deep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, back to the real stuff. Let's talk about the Bali Nine and, and them facing death row. So in the last couple of days, Tony Abbott has come out and again called on the Indonesian president to show mercy to these two Australian men. Julie Bishop, our foreign minister, has also made similar appeals and they've been rebuffed as well. Jamila, how much does our government have to do and are there efforts going to actually come to any fruition? Or is that it? Is that it? Have we signed off on these guys? So I think there's a few things that we need to... to to understand, to be able to understand this story properly. So the first is that under Indonesian law, the Indonesian president can grant clemency for anyone for any crime. So no matter how horrible a crime you have committed in Indonesia, the president does have the option to come in and say, you know what, horrible, horrible crime, but we are not going to kill you for it. So that option is always open to the president, which means that our efforts to ask him to give clemency to someone are never going to be in vain entirely because he he has that that? power. Yes, he has in the past. He has downgraded sentences. But he said quite recently that they're getting tougher on drug smugglers um, in Indonesia and he will no longer grant clemency to international citizens who commit drug crimes in Indonesia. So he's saying, I'm not going to use this Mm. power, but he does still have it. The other thing I think that's important to know is that Australia and Indonesia are ex- incredibly close, um, closely aligned. So they are the largest uh, Islamic country in the world and they're very close to us physically. There's a lot of ties in a lot of areas and they rely on our economy to a large extent. So Australia doesn't, isn't powerless here. The Australian government does have sway, um, although they can't make the decision or, you know, Mm. actually do anything, they can put a huge amount of pressure on. And um, it would be interesting to see an Indonesian president totally reject that pressure. But will they burn? Do you think that um, the Australian government will burn their goodwill with Indonesia to fight for two convicted drug smugglers? I think that's a really good point. So firstly, these guys aren't totally innocent good guys. You know, when we're talking about people sort of, you know, uh, the sort of people that 
the Australian government can be spending money and putting in diplomatic efforts to look after. You know, we want them looking after the victims of a siege who are you know, purely innocent people. These are men who have smuggled drugs, who've been convicted and who may well be responsible for a whole lot of drug deaths. From a political messaging perspective, mm. there, I imagine there would be Australians who, while against the death penalty, go, you know what, I don't reckon that's top of the agenda. These guys did the wrong thing. And standing up for convicted drug smugglers isn't exactly Tony Abbott's usual shtick. Having said that, most Australians say, I'm not for the death penalty. I don't think there's any crime bad enough that you should kill people. Um, so there, there is that, that tension there between Australian law and what the Australian public thinks and what's okay in Indonesia. I think there are crimes that are bad enough, but I don't think that this is one of them. Yeah, and I think um, that's a, it's a Whoa. really big one. You think there are crimes <laughs> big enough to kill people? Yeah, ever? I do. I really do. I, I feel that. Example? Um, Oh, look, anything that involves a child, I find it very, very difficult to be pragmatic about or mm. reasonable about. I get very emotional and I just, um, yeah, I, I feel that, that um, there are people like um, uh, Daniel Morecambe's killer. I would be quite happy to see him put to death. Has that changed in your mind post-children, your stance on this? I think it probably has. I think it probably has. It's hard to remember because I've been a parent for such a long time. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that in other countries um, their scale of, of punishment is just out of whack. Like from Chappelle Corby to drug smugglers, I find the idea, like I get haunted by the thought of these guys living with this over their head. Like I really do. Uh, but I think it's interesting. I'm old enough to remember Barlow and Chambers back in 1986. They were the first Westerners ever hung under, uh, executed under drug laws in Malaysia. Um, really similar, very, very similar situation to these two guys. And I remember that. That was that was a, a really, really big deal back then. And I can't remember any other Australians after that until, what, 2005 when that guy, uh, that Vietnamese Australian Vietnamese guy yeah, mm. in um, Singapore, um, and Kevin Rudd was, I think, pretty profoundly affected by that and ended up having quite a close personal relationship with him and his family trying to get him freed. And I was haunted by that prospect as well, the idea of someone coming into your cell in the middle of the night and killing you. While I say I'm a happy, not happy, while I say I'm comfortable with a death penalty for some things, the actual practicality of it. There's also the method that's in question here as well. Yes. Um, these guys aren't going to die by lethal injection. Um, it's going to be a firing squad. Like their bodies are going to be blown to bits. Like that is, that is what is awaiting them. What I can't understand in my head, and this might sound like a dumb question, don't we scratch their back in certain ways? Aren't we giving them foreign aid? Aren't we, you mm. know, when a tsunami comes through, we're there, we're, we're like, you know, let's give you a hand, brother. Why can't they, ex why don't they extend the same to us? Has it become jam about um, saving face? Like he now has painted himself into a corner. He couldn't possibly. Uh, a lot of Southeast Asian countries are very about saving face and he couldn't possibly back down and say, okay, clemency. Yeah, I think there 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 are a few elements at play. It's always a bit more complicated, I think, than we than we like to think when we're the punters in the living room talking mm. about it. Um, so, firstly, uh, the death penalty for drug crimes is is quite broadly accepted in a lot of parts of Southeast Asia, unlike here in Australia, where it's not part of our law. Mm. Um, we don't seem to get as worked up about. Um, the death penalty, for example, being used in the United States, uh, we tend to get 
interested here in Australia because these are Australians, but they're Australians who have committed a crime on Indonesian soil. They have broken Indonesian Mm. law. And when you visit a a country, you accept the laws of that country and you say, I will abide by the laws of that country. So I think you, you need to remember that element as well. So where Mm. Tony Abbott and Julia Bishop are coming from it are saying these guys have done the wrong thing. Under your law, you're saying this is one of the worst things you can do. In a lot of Southeast Asian countries, drug smuggling is mm. akin to murder. Like they, they, see, they see it as the same as holding a gun to someone's head and pressing the trigger to distribute drugs widely that do cause the deaths of a lot of people in Indonesia. Mm. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a cultural difference as well as a legal difference. And I think the role of our government has to be to say we recognise that, but we are fundamentally against the death penalty, and Australia is. Um, and our view is that this crime is not worthy of that. Lock them up for the rest of their mm-hmm. lives, if you believe that's the case, if that's what they deserve, sure, but don't take the lives of these men. Monique, do you think that there's a big um, public appetite for save these guys? No, like Remember with Chappelle, everyone was like, how dare you, you can't imprison her for all this time, Look, and then we forgot about her. There's a little bit, there's a little ripple, but... It's certainly not blanket coverage like it was with Chappelle. No. Why do you think that is? Because Chappelle's a beauty therapist and she was gorgeous. Mm. She is gorgeous. Where's Chappelle now? Do you know, where is Chappelle now? She's it's somewhere funny. in Indonesia, isn't Well, she? we thought she would never be get any peace, but now it's like, oh, when you said Chappelle, I was like, is she still in jail? I forget. But you know why I was thinking, why don't I care as much as I might care about something like, and I don't think these guys should be put to death by any means, but I don't feel that invested in it. And I I went to Wiki and and was researching for, before we did this podcast, they've been, there were nine of them. They were arrested 10 years ago. The sentences have been given to some and then changed and then death sentences Mm. and then commuted to life and then changed to 20 years and then something. And then Renee Lawrence has a girlfriend and then she got married and new idea. And there've been so many permutations and it's taken so many twists and turns. I've kind of not followed one person's story through it. So you haven't felt attached to one individual no. as someone following the news cycle. And when you, when I even say these guys' names, which I can't say, oh, sorry, uh, I think it's Andrew, Andrew Chan, Chan and yeah, Sukumaran. Sorry, Sukumaran. I don't mean I can't pronounce mm. them. I mean I they don't, they're not. It's the not like Chappelle Corby where everyone yes. goes, "Oh yeah, Chappelle Corby." So those two guys whose names I can't remember, I can't even. I don't even have images in my mind of them. Yes, because it's like the Bali Nine all sort of yeah. So I think people like quite a simple narrative: beauty therapist, boogie mm. board, twenty years. Yeah. It's true and it's a real indictment on our society, isn't it? We're yeah. lazy. We're lazy. We like a pretty face. Yeah. That's terrible. How depressing. Yeah. All right. So you two, just imagine this. Imagine that you're going out on a few dates with a guy and then you decide, oh, you're not really feeling it. So you try and sort of extract yourself from the situation, but uh-huh. he will not go. He's persistent. So you try dropping a few hints. He doesn't take them. So what do you think you'd do? Let me tell you what this one woman did. 29-year-old British woman got her sister to text this guy saying, listen, um, let's call her Annabelle. Annabelle's actually in hospital, so, you know, I'm really sorry, but she can't see you tonight. Mm. Response is, mm. oh, what hospital she in? I'll be there in 30 minutes. Like, oh. just give me a sec. I'll be there. We can still, like, yeah, what a nice call. I'm there. Mm. Sister writes back. Listen, it's actually quite serious and um, it's not looking good. So it's just Annabelle was just only going to see the f- family, family only. These are lies. Yeah. Annabelle's, Annabelle's on fine. the couch eating <laughs> Doritos. She's fine. Man writes back, 
Oh, well, I am basically family. Like, I'll oh, be there soon. Just okay, let now me know where now she is. Like, we're, we're dating. Like, we're, we're together. Oh. Annabelle doesn't know what to do. So, Sister Art's back. I'm sorry, but we've lost her. Oh, my God. <laughs> Woman pretends to die to get out of dating. That is something I can really understand. What? Oh, what? <laughs> do you know why? Because I was once dating a guy who was so dodgy and I once heard him on the phone trying to get out of something. I think it was a meeting with someone who he owed money to and he said, look, I'm really sorry that I just am going to have to cancel today. My mum died. And the way it just rolled off his tongue, I could tell this wasn't the first time he'd rolled it out. <laughs> oh, it's not. A, like, it's what's te- that tempting about? fate. Like yeah. I, you can't, you can't lie about someone dying unless they're already dead. Then I think it's okay. Just how about honesty as a concept? How about you just yeah. tell the truth yeah. and say yeah. you're really nice. It's just not working for me. I'm alive. I, I'm, I think you'll that's, be alive. that's really easy to say sitting in this comfortable little studio. But when you've got to look some guy in the face and go, I'm just not in, that into you. Of course what do you mean looking lie. them in the face? Don't people just break up by text these days? That's true. But I'm getting the sense Annabelle didn't think this through very well because I assume she could didn't like move to another country. She What's... didn't role play it out to the end. Yeah, she didn't close her Facebook account. And then what if this guy, what if it was the love of his life and then he has to go down the milk aisle at the supermarket and then he sees her and just thinks it's a ghost. Or, you and know? isn't he going to want to come to the funeral? She hasn't thought Ooh, this fair point. Yeah. She did not play it out no, in full, she did didn't. she? There are a whole lot of like sort of steps and hurdles that she's got to get over that are going to keep going with this lie. File that under seemed like a really great solution <laughs> to a problem at the time. And I think that's why I can sympathise. I'm just like, I'll just deal with this like in this moment. And it will mean I don't have to see him tonight. My tiny lie has snowballed out of control. <laughs> and now I'm staging Death. a fake funeral. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you want to get to the must-reads of 2015? What should we be looking at this year, this year? What are we excited about? Well, if anybody hasn't yet read Leanne Moriarty's um, Big Little Lies, uh, it's a fanta- she's an Australian author, um, Sydney woman, I am obsessed with all of her books. I discovered them um, a couple of years ago and I've read them one at a time. She writes about a book every year. She's kind of like our Marion Keys um, in that it's um, popular fiction but it's clever and it's got a bite. So Reese Witherspoon's film company have bought the rights and they're going to turn it into a TV series uh, or a movie with Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman and someone else. But it's just it's a fantastic read. She just writes so incredibly engagingly. So any of Leanne Moriarty's books, if you go to my Facebook page, I follow her um, and I'll we'll put a link on the show page mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to throw in a couple that I'm looking forward to in 2015. First one is um, House of Cards is coming back. So House of Cards oh, yeah. is a political uh, television show as, that is all about a character called Frances Underwood. Um, it will be coming back on the 27th of February, which is also my birthday, so I'm pretty sure they were thinking <laughs> of me when they decided season three should come out on my birthday. So getting very, very pumped about that. I might be sick the couple of days after that show drops there um, and might not be in the office. The next one is um, Graham Simpson, the Australian... Australian author who wrote The Rosie Project has his sequel out that's called The Rosie Effect. Um, it's so good. It's so good. It's so good. I couldn't good. get into so it. Good. Is that a small noise? Yep. Oh, I'm so glad you say me. that. I read, um, I love The Rosie Project. <laughs> I, just, you know, I devoured it in about three hours. I love The Rosie Project. I really tried on holidays with The Rosie Effect and I, you know, plotted through about three chapters 
and I just then put it down and wandered off. I'm so glad you've said that because it's a very unpopular opinion, but I've got it too. I found the book made me get all anxious and weird because I was reading about this man who's anxious and weird. Did you read the first one? Yeah. Did you like the first one? I loved one? the first one. Yes, yeah, so I did. I. Okay, so he's I more anxious and weird in the first one than he is in the second one. So de-stress, people. You know what it is? It's because you're up the duff. So you kind of feel like you're on the, the sequel is a bit about them. pregnancy. Yeah. yeah. I do enjoy That's it though. Fine. And the other one is I am so excited about the primaries in the United States because we're going to have some presidential candidates by the end of this year and one of them's going to be Hillary Clinton. Uh, look, I'm I'm fascinated by the the the, the, the theater the, of the drama all. and the theater of the American political system and I'm fascinated to see what happens with Hillary. I really, really hope she runs. But um, your primaries, I don't know. Mm. It's complicated but worth Wake it. Wake me when it's, it's good, over. It's good viewing for those of us who are political geeks. My must-watch this year is The Bachelorette. I cannot wait another moment for that. Hurry who do you want it to be, Channel 10. I want it to be Lorena. She's amazing. She's so good to look Lorena at. Lorena was one of The Bachelorettes from The Bachelor Season 2. Thank you, Jam. She, she was, was the one who ate. She ate straight pie. Yeah. Mm. She was the cold princess with a really warm heart at the end of it. And Rosie is going to have her work cut out for her doing reviews of The Bachelorette mm-hmm. and The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. It's going to be nonstop this mm-hmm. year. Now, on to the segment of most popularity ever on this podcast. It's called Obsessions. And, guys, I made you a little something to get us into this. Totally obsessed with you While combing my tweets now <laughs> Your Good. Instagram is totes Hashtag wow I'm totally obsessed with you <laughs> Together forever Let's earth with you And obsessed with you together I don't really know Singing that is amazing. I know. You I mean, are, thank you. I know. Just call me Dion. I was about to say the next Celine. That was who I had in mind of all I the would, pop stars in the world and their magnificent songs. I loved that before <laughs> I even know that, knew that you sang it and oh, made thanks. a thing about it. So, what are we obsessed with? I am obsessed with Taylor Swift. For oh, the hottest shush. 100. Sure. Which is going to Shake happen. It off, Shake it I off. am not shaking it off at all. I am hosting my first ever hottest 100 party. I have never hosted it before because I am not cool. I am not alternative and I am not hipster. So I do not belong in that world. But now I do because Tay Tay's going to win. <sighs> Can I Skype into that party? Yeah, yeah you, you're so, you are so invited. We're Me making Taylor Swift for number one No, uh, do you know t-shirts? why that's great? I, my daughter is nine and she has discovered Tay in the biggest way, right? And this is an obsession that I've really, really helped foster. I feel that you would have. <laughs> because she is an amazing role model. Well, you know what? I'm anti. Ooh. Unpopular oh. opinion. But God, there are a lot of things we should have checked before we hired you. Why? Um, Why are let you... me just say this, Mia. Your children don't listen to Triple J. Tay-Tay does not need to be on Triple J. Tay-Tay's played blanket coverage on every other radio station. Leave Triple J for the other artists. Triple J is the one place where independent artists get played, where people get played that don't get played on the other big radio stations. And the Hottest 100 is the Holy Grail. Taylor Swift already has so much going for her. She doesn't need this in her life. <clears throat> okay. A little bit of rebuttal. People like 
all those famous ones. Silverchair, Powderfinger, Macklemore, Mumford and Sons, all you cool mm-hmm. people bands and yeah. singers, yeah. they're on Triple J. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows who they are too. Yeah, Triple J on... sold out just like the rest of us. Because they're on mm. Triple J first jam and then everyone else gets on board. The, it doesn't work the other way. Yeah. It shouldn't have to work it's the other way. It's been so many years since I knew any songs in the Triple J Hottest 100. But I just, just think now you're going to know number one. If it would shake it off, I'd be stoked because not only would I know it, I could do some actions. Mm. Mia, what's your obsession? Um, my obsession is kimonos. Oh, also, yeah, no, it's kimonos. I went was in Byron Bay for my annual Christmas holiday and I got very into that sort of um, cowboy, cowgirl chic look. Mm. So I just realised how much time I spend in um, pyjamas. It's the first thing I wear when I get put on when I get home and I just love being in my pyjamas all the time. And on the weekend I never get out of them. So I thought I've got to take it up a notch. And now I've been doing quite a lot of wafting. Today I brought a kimono to work. <laughs> I wore it with some denim cutoffs. We'll put a picture of my outfit today on our um, Facebook podcast page. Uh, but the only problem is, I have to tell you, that I have been getting snagged on door handles a lot. And that kind of kills my waft. Your other problem is you need to choose a different word because waft sounds like you've done a fart. You're wafting through the building. It does, does it? It, Waft yeah. is a and fart you, word. You look like a beautiful butterfly. That's what you yeah, look like. Yeah, Thank you. you float. That gets caught on doorknobs. Well, I like to sort of ethereally waft and then I get caught on doorknobs and I just like like those cartoons where the, the cane comes around and hooks them around their neck and pulls them off stage. That's me. You do like the feeling of <coughs> power too, don't you, that the kimono gives you? I feel quite regal. Like I feel a bit like yeah. I always wanted to be like some kind of princess in a book with like a tr- – also because I never had a little train, like a bride. My dress yeah, didn't so have a train. Veil, so I'm a bit... slash train, slash kimono, slash pyjama, slash yeah, butterfly costume. it's working for me. <laughs> My obsession this week is a man in – Island. This is such a cute story. He had this cafe, this little, it was called the Wee Little Cafe, and it wasn't doing so great. And then he read an article about someone wanting a chip sandwich. So he just decided to make chip sandwiches in his cafe. So hold on, hot chips or crunchy chips? Crunchy, like crisps. Sort oh. of salt and vinegar chips oh. on white bread. Yum. And now Yuck. his little cafe has gone gangbusters, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold out, people lining up around the corner for chip sandwiches. But why don't you make one at home? uh, Because you're out and that's what you want when you're out. And there are some of us who don't make anything at home. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh, my God. Not only is this a little bit of Wonder White, a little bit of butter and some chips and you smush it. Salt and vinegar, crinkle cut chips. You won't know yourself. Put your quinoa salad down, Mia, and get oh, no, a chip sandwich. A I'm, not, I'm not chips. I'm not savoury snacks. I'm sweet snacks. I'm ice cream, and I'm marvelous creations ice like ice blocks. Not not ice blocks, but marvelous creations ice creams on a stick. Oh, anyway, the reason I, I love this story so much is because it's a victory for common sense, for normal food, and I feel like norm food. Is coming back. God, I hope goodbye, so. Goodbye, Heston. Goodbye, Jamie, with your, fa- you know, goodbye, Paleo Traveller, with your fancy things. Hello, chip sandwich. I can't wait. For that. Bring on the revolution. Hashtag, I wanted to do a hashtag dirty eating, you know, that insufferable yeah. hashtag clean eating where people photograph their mm. friggin' salads. I want to start photographing my pizzas mm. and my marvellous creations. Mm. That's all for this week, Jam Mia. You've been great. We are online. We are all over the social medias. You can tweet us at Mamma Mia. You can get on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Mamma Mia out loud. We are also on Instagram at Mamma Mia AUS. 
Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. We'll be up every week. And if you want to get in touch, podcast at mamamia.com.au. We'd love to hear from you. We're all about switched on women and the ones that aren't too. We're going to help switch you on as well. That makes no sense. We don't want to turn you on. We want to switch you on. All right, we'll see you next week.